My guest today, his name is Luke Luo. He is a Shanghai film make, Shanghai based filmmaker. Uh, he has mainly deviled in commercials, but last year came out with a uh, short horror film. Uh, we'd like to talk a little bit about that today, uh, amongst other things. How's it going, Luke? All right, it's it's morning over here, and it's uh, bright and early. Everything's cool. Yeah, that's true. So uh, for those that don't know, I am on the East Coast in South Jersey, and it is uh, about 9.18 p.m. on the 8th of, what is it, April? Um, and yeah, you're a day ahead of me. Well, I'm exactly 12, 12 hours, so, you know, just flip it and we're good. You're in the future. I'm in the future, that's right. So as of right now, the coronavirus is still a rampant son of a bitch. Uh, by the time this airs, this could be in the initial launch. I, I still got to figure it out. But regardless, it's going to be at the latest in June. Uh, that's only two months away. So how how is life like right there in uh, China? Well, complicated. I mean, they're trying to get back into the fold. Uh, trying to ramp business up, trying to get everyone to get back to work and not isolate. But, you know, social distancing is still very enforced. Uh, they got this code that you have on your phone because uh, China, as you, well, I guess a lot of people don't know, China is on, uh, has, was one of the leaders in cashless payments. So, uh, pretty much people don't use cash anymore and, uh, we, everything is bound, bound on the phone <clears throat> and they've actually put uh, this app, secondary app onto the payment app. And that gives you a green code if your area is not infected at all. And you can more or less behave normally, but they're still enforcing, uh, social distancing. And personally, that may be a little bit premature. I mean, they're, they're giving out these signals of trying to say, okay, we are, uh, we are, we're back to a capacity of some, some sort, but. Uh, as we know, it's, there's still a lot of, um, asymptomatic around out there and we're, we're cautious. Oh yeah, of course, as you should be. Um, so I'm not even going to act like I know or am a authority with this whole virus outbreak. Um, the reason why I wanted to talk to you about it was because you're in China. That's where it started. I think it'd be interesting for, uh, me and probably some of my listeners to, hear from just uh you know a regular person not the media um i uh i'm just curious as to what your reaction and what your family's reaction or friends that were in that country when this all started to break out news got out was uh was the media on it pretty quickly and was your government on it pretty quickly well as everyone know and i think you know, in the world knows now, um, China has behaved relatively slow on the, on the upfront. So like in the very beginning, uh, Wuhan basically made light of the situation, but I, it's almost human now when we look at it, uh, in the global perspective, because, you know, at, at the time we were very much, uh, online community, everyone is basically yelling about it, uh, and being extremely, Irritated. I, I would say they were irritated. There was some really a lot of acidity happening with that. Um, but uh, overall, as soon as the central caught on that 
the local government was actually making light of the situation, it's almost immediate lockdown. It's like it's night and day. We were having a Chinese um uh a Chinese New Year dinner at my in-laws, and the next day we're locked down. We're literally oh, wow. not exiting the house. Uh there's very little preparedness going into it, but we adapted. Uh and again, China has an extremely robust system of couriers and um and cashless payment that was actually in my personal opinion uh basically at least reduce 50% of the infection rate and that that, that is massive you know because it, everything's bound to the phone and as i said before uh but it it started as panic everyone it's it's normal right it, it's um there's even less preparedness on the on the on the public side uh compared to the United States you know uh we there's very little forewarning uh except on the Wuhan side and we hear words that the hospitals are getting overwhelmed and we were like okay that's probably not going to come to us in Shanghai but pretty much next day you know everyone's in social distancing full on lockdown uh in government force which is draconian but it's it's almost like what has to be done you know yeah absolutely um shanghai that's a that's a pretty big city too isn't it oh yeah it's uh a permanent resident registered is something along the line of like 18 to 19 million and with all the migrant workers which are people from other parts of uh, of of, uh, of china we're looking at almost 20 plus 23 24 million people uh and china throughout the whole thing especially the first month and a half ish basically is on full lockdown with basically about 700 to 800 million people locked in at home and that's literally watching paint dry uh and you know people are um on the streets like just being caught and then being sent home. Uh, there are, you know, full on enforced for, for tracking contact tra- tra- tracing, which is, you know, like if you're in contact with people who are in viruses, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's bad. Even in Shanghai, which we had only like at the end of the day when it's petering off around 200, 300 cases, uh, confirmed, which is not much. Uh, yeah. it's still everyone is on heavy heavy alert and yeah it, it's complicated but I, i'll i'll bring it up and it, at the risk of sounding a bit racist i think the asian community especially the chinese community has a lot more kind of built in alert for this sort of thing because um in the last in the living memory you know the last 40 years china basically jumped from a pre or early industrialized country to the second largest economy in the world mm. and um from so in living memory people are still hurting from a lot of disasters uh and lot a lot of lack of medical attention a lot of death uh we had SARS uh which was a massive issue uh and people are are filled in for that reaction you know, whereas, uh, people in, in Canada, 
uh, where I'm from and, um, people in, in US are not quite as, it, it seems for, further away, you know? Yeah. Um, it, and it seems sort of surreal. Uh, like I said, I'm in South Jersey. I work in Atlantic City. I just drove through there today and, uh, you would never know there was a virus. The way that people are reacting, there's as many cars, as many people outside as there normally would be. I don't normally work in the actual city. Like, I, my company is on the outskirts of it, so I don't thankfully have to work in the heart of the city. But, but it's very strange. Um, and I live about 30 minutes away in the suburbs. Um, still, it's kind of hard for me to see the difference. There's less traffic, but... Obviously, places aren't open. That's that's a clear indicator. But besides that, traffic's not that light for me. Uh, I got friends in Philly that uh, some are nurses, and they tell me horror stories. Uh, I hope <laughs> I got this fear now that I'm a dad. Like, please don't let any of us be sick. I, how how is it for you? Like, you're a dad. Your family's with you in in Shanghai. Like, it's it's got to be terrifying. Well, yeah, I mean, it changes things a lot, doesn't it, once you become a parent. It's like I have a son who's a little bit more advanced age-wise, and you know, he's six, uh, than I believe yours, uh, which is your, – your your son is less than one right now, right? Yeah, he's uh, he's four and a half months old. He's super tiny. Is it? Yeah, so it, it's it's a time that it's, – it's almost, I think, biological that we just have that built-in love, like – Oh no, it's not just me. Yeah. You know, it's not, not just me and the family. It's not just me and the wife, you know, and the wife and I'm sounding bad there. <laughs> it's me and wife, you know, and the missus, uh, that, uh, that, that needed taken care of. We're all adults. And then suddenly there's this person that, that literally has no awareness of the world. And we're trying to, it, 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 it starts to dawn on you when, when things like this are happening and you're, you're trying to provide somewhat uh, of a i guess safe situation mm. where they don't feel even though if they're locked in at home they're completely uh isolated from the world as we are um they can actually still feel that they're engaged and 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 not panic as the adults are really full on in panic mode right uh, we're panicking at home but we're panicking yeah, that's our job, I guess, is to uh, kind of say, hey, the world's crazy, but this is your safe zone. This is your haven, our home, uh, your parents. It's the last line of defense, right? Uh, and you work in essential services, don't you? Uh, yeah, it's it's a really not even because of the virus. It's a weird job. Right. Been, what, what do you do? So I've been there for four years. I work for my county um, for the wastewater treatment facility. And what we do is uh, all the water in my county that so not every town, it's, it's a big county, uh, not every town has um, city water. Uh, not all the cities have piped in water to Atlantic City. Um, some of them have septic tanks. Um, I don't I guess their own towns take care of that sewage. But for the ones that are piped into us, it just. Oh, uh, all that flow comes to us. Uh, we're in charge of me personally. I'm an instrumentation technician. 
So my job is to, um, I didn't know what the hell that was, by the way, when I even applied for it. Uh, I just, I needed a job. I just moved to Jersey with a job that I knew was a stepping stone for an asshole that owned a company um, <laughs> that <laughs> that uh, did not treat his employees well. So I knew that I needed anything that paid more and a county job sounded good. So what I do is I just take care of instruments that measure the flow of shit and piss water um and yeah so i i also work uh on burners for a five-story furnace and a three-story furnace i work on i have to learn so much like i've been there for four years i need another third wait 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 uh furnace i've seen shit drying oh yeah so uh just think about your basement if you got a you know, but a lot of big, well, actually, I don't want to speak for outside of the U.S. I don't know how common it is outside. I'm only speaking for, I guess, my experience in America. Uh, you know, incinerator, I guess. Uh, furnace is just a basically big thing that has flames and it burns stuff, heats it up. Right, but the purpose of that is to, to dry, dry fecal matter and stuff, right? Or, oh, yeah, or yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah, so basically, uh, all that shit, sludge and uh, all the other gross stuff comes into a huge furnace and it burns it. And the point of that is to separate, to, to dry out the solids as much as you can. Because the goal is to separate solids from liquids. The liquids goes through a cleansing uh, cycle. Then it goes through that one more time. Then where I am, it gets sent out into the ocean by about, uh, I think it's like a, almost two miles to the Atlantic Ocean. Um and I found out about a year ago that the way we do it is pretty uncommon nowadays in the country that furnace to, to dry, <laughs> to dry shit. It's, uh, more common to use one ways drying beds. It's literally just, uh, but, but that, so- that sounded more dangerous almost because I mean that, uh, you know, just things are coming to me in, in my head and, um, the last three weeks or so. Um, and, and for those who are not aware, uh, Wuhan just released her full on lockdown yesterday. So, oh, okay. uh, April the 8th was when Wuhan released her lo- full lockdown. So they're, they're, they're allowing travel now outside mm. of the city and they're traveling outside of Hubei province. So that's a, that's a thing. And oh. the rest of the country is on full higher alert because, you know, we're worried, right? And, and of course, there's all, all that people still wandering around. And the last three weeks or so, there's still community spread. You know, there's still pockets of community spread inside Wuhan. You know, <laughs> this whole thing is making us like two and a half months of locking yourself at home make you kind of cuckoo. And oh, then yeah. you start <laughs> you start looking at these data and start using confirmation bias. You know, like you're starting to see these patterns of things that probably doesn't really correlate but um they're see- they're still seeing these pattern of uh small pockets of community communal spread that are non-confirmed but suspected to be you know old pipes from inside the wall old sewage pipes and mm. as we we so far know it it seems to actually travel it it, it can spread by fecal matter and I it almost seemed like full on drying not like air dry like dry drying bed like actually heated drying is safer you know it, it does feel safer 
Yeah, I'm not. I can't really comment as an expert on that part. Uh, but my job is very dangerous. Uh, everyone that works in a job similar to mine, I have to, for one, uh, one instrument that's underground, not too far underground, but I have to go in at least one manhole um, twice a year on a busy street that we have to get a company to come in to block off and uh, put cones up. Even with that, people drive on the wrong side. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. <laughs> people are. Yeah, but, but it's, it's people are people. You know, like uh, yeah. What's that? What's that quote from uh, from uh, Men in Black? You know, like a person is. You know, paraphrasing here, a person is reasonable, is nice. You can have a nice conversation with them. People, people are just disasters. Oh yeah, <laughs> like when they're the talking about why the when they're talking about why the general public is not aware of the existence of aliens on Earth. Course or yeah, exactly. I mean, it, not a not existence. It's like the, the moment that they are aware, they they go into mob mentality, they go into panic mode, where you can kind of affect person one at a time, you know, and then you can engage it that way. But people, as a general population, world over, you know, the human species is, is we're 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 not rational creatures. Yeah, uh, I gotta agree with that. Especially, it's pretty well spotlighted on social media every <laughs> single day. And social media is interesting, like that. We need to get into it, and we need to know things are happening. And it's great that we're all connected. And I think this whole virus has taught us that the world is literally a global village now. We're no longer kind of isolated in our own country. We're no longer isolated in our own little culture and it's 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 codependent the the whole the whole world is codependent right now um and but social media is is extremely toxic because everybody has their own thing right and they are all listening from different sides uh of the story and none of them are really true it's it's all just polarized right and but you know that's that's how it is it's kind of have to wade through the noise you know um yeah I guess to pick yeah, I guess to piggyback on that point, um, I'm really into uh, and have been for a while, pretty much for since the year he died. I don't know why I chose that year, but Steve Jobs, I really got into reading his biographies, watching his documentaries, and uh, something interesting that goes along with what you just said is he was talking about this one time in the 70s. Him and his friend went to India, and that's when he had his spiritual. Um, awakening and he didn't return back there until he was a father and he what was it probably the 21st century it would have it would have had to have been the early 21st century he returned and he said it doesn't it's not the same every it's like parts of america it's like there's no real this is an identity of india china or fucking Texas or wherever that we're all becoming integrated like the thing that he created, which is just so ironic. And right. I, I don't, I don't know. I wonder what we would do without social media. Uh, I don't, well, I don't know. Interconnectivity, you know, smartphone and it's all that stuff. It's like, how, 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 how do we, how do we live without it? It's like, and it's really quick, you know, like iPhones, what 11 years old. You know, uh, we, uh, how, how do you live with an iPhone and iPad these days or some sort of connectivity? You, you, especially in China where the awareness is extremely huge. I mean, my, my parents, my in-laws, 
they're all their friends are on social media, different social media. There's something called WeChat, but uh, they're all on that, and they're all they do their payments on that. They 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 do all their socializing on it. It's 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 like the older population are very well adapted on that, and you can't live literally uh, in China without some form of phone or in connectivity device that that makes you you know comfortable. Right. I'm uh, curious to learn more about that. Um, so as far as the cashless thing, like we got that uh, in, in America, too, but it sounds more prevalent in at least your part of China. Um, so it's um, I can't speak for every American, but for at least me and my friends, some of our parents, I'm 31. My parents are in their mid 60s. So it's my dad would always make like dumb jokes about me and my brother and sister texting or Facebook and now he does it and now he does it more than me and um, oh yeah they, they, they go crazy the, the, the you know the older generation go absolutely crazy with this sort of thing and they they send things that are I don't know I mean wow I, I we I thought we were you know as a generation of people who grew up with it or grew up with it the generation of people who uh we're adults when this thing was happening and we were really well adapted with it. We, we thought we were being, you know, assholes and <laughs> stuff online. And then you have our parents who are coming in with like these, dad, you can't say that. You, you know, you really <laughs> should write that. You know, this, this is public. You, you realize Twitter is public. Do they <laughs> gossip a lot? Oh yeah. There are things that, Really should not be brought up on, 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 on social media. I mean, uh, harmless, but yeah, not socially polite on the, on, on that kind of sphere, you know? <laughs> so what, what's like, okay. So I know you're from, you said you're from Vancouver. Are, do you have any, have you been to the United States? Do you have, have you been there often at all? Well, I'm, I'm very well adapted. I mean, um, uh, well, let's just say, uh, well, my dad, this is, we're going to go into a long story that I'm going to try to make short. Uh, my dad went to, uh, school for his MBA, uh, in the early eighties, uh, in the States, in, in Houston. I, no, Houston or Dallas. I can't re- uh, remember exactly. So we're, as a family, we're always pretty North Americanized and we, we had, quite a bit of access compared to the local population in, uh, at the time, Taiwan. Uh, then I'm, we immigrated to Canada, which obviously means we are North Americans. We adapted very quickly. We incorporated ourselves into the society really, really quickly. Uh, we moved into a, a community that has like, what, three, um, Chinese family and like 18 Asian families. Um, <laughs> It's just our way, you know, like our family's always been a little bit more like, oh, we have to make sure we know what the local community is like before mm. we, you know, we, we have a little bit of almost that hippie attitude. My, my parents are late hippies. Oh, no kidding. Uh, kind of, yeah, early, early preppy, you know, <laughs> it's that kind of, you know, like we don't know what they are, but they, they have a little bit of everything. You know, they, they working office job, but at home they go, yeah, whatever. Oh, fuck <laughs> this. You know, <laughs> you know they, they have that attitude with, with life, and then they, it's like um, it, it it helps with a good childhood because we're all always being like, "You want to do that? Great. Um, does it cost money? 
No, I'm great. <laughs> Go do it. <laughs> so what got you, know, you in what got you in Shanghai? Well, work. You know, um, it's interesting. We uh, I came to Shanghai kind of um, on a lark. Uh, the film industry at the beginning of uh, of of two thousands in Vancouver are still I wouldn't say xenophobic, but it's a very big like boys club. You know, mm. uh, much less so now. Uh, at the time, the Chinese population and things like that, you could still have uh, a bit of segregation or a barrier from from getting decent jobs uh, or enough caseload as filmmakers or, you know, freelancers. Mm. Um, and we go in and we, a lot of people like you go in, you go on set and people go, OK, who you're Asian? Because my last name doesn't sound like I'm from anywhere. You know, it, it, <laughs> yeah. It, I, I wanted, it's not Chinese. It's not Chang or Li or yeah. You know. I I don't know where to place Lu, Luo. Am I it, saying it, that it's right? It's a mistranslation. It's a mistranslation from uh from <clears throat> uh, it's a mistranslation from a Taiwanese translation that's kind of bastardized by uh <laughs> by a period of time where nobody knows what they're supposed to do with you know romanticization of like, the word mm. uh, of the uh, Chinese spelling. So uh, it it's it's I think that's to my benefit, but I've showed up on set and, you know, they're like, oh, you're Asian. I'm like, so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, I didn't know. <laughs> whoops. Uh, <laughs> Should I have been paid? <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Uh, no, but it is, it is a huge cultural shock because the moment that you enter China, you become homogenized in that culture. They see you as another Asian, Ooh. you know. Or another Chinese, they they have small separation as people do. And, you know, people from Jersey, south of Jersey and north of Jersey, like we're not like you, you know. Oh um, man, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we're uh, they do these small separations, like kind of differentiations. But the moment that you enter into China, you have this cultural shock, like absolute cultural shock of wait, I'm in a society of people who look exactly like me. So now it's it's almost like it's like the American dream, you know, mm. because nobody cares if you're Asian and they can't point at you and go, you're Asian. I can't hire you because we're all Asians. So, so it does, it does help, uh, to create, a a sort of, um, uh, atmosphere to be able to do better work or learn a lot more. That makes but, sense. You know, yeah, it's complicated. The world has changed a lot in the last 16 years I've been in China. That, that That's a long time. But right now, China, like I came in from an era where China is much more like we have to do things. We don't know what we're doing. Like foreign people are to save us. You know, not really. But it's like we have no new ideas, um, which isn't true. But it's very much the cultural consensus at that time where foreign things are better uh, to now where there are quite a lot of parts of the societal thing in China that are way more advanced than 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 North America, which is weird to say, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a statement, you know. Yeah. But that, that comes at the that that does come at the, the exchange of some form of freedom 
you know, um, because I, I, the, the discussion, the discourse of America has always been, uh, a balance between how much freedom and how much safety do you, do you, can, can you, you know, correlate and, and China, well, not going into politics, but China does have security at the sacrifice of some, a, a little bit or quite a bit of freedom. But, you know, you live safe. And I don't know. It's, 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 it's a complicated situation. I'm sure. One that I don't think I can grasp. Um, something. Nobody owns guns. Yeah. Nobody owns guns. <laughs> oh, they're illegal you know, there? Well, they're absolutely illegal. I mean, um. Like all guns. You can't have any. Oh, yeah. None. Neither is Japan. And they have an incredibly, uh, good, you know, control on lockdown on that but it's the same thing right hong kong well, what, as well well what's uh what's like the the crime rate over there well violent crime is relatively low so social safety is really good but you have these white collars you have these scans and that's the same everywhere you know the yeah. world is all the same it's it's just uh, but those percentage tend to be higher because they are they exist on the border of the law Okay. Uh, that, I never knew that. Um, I wanted to jump ahead to something a little bit more light. Uh, and we can come yes, back to this. Please. <laughs> we can come back to this for sure if you want later, because this is really interesting. Um, well, it's cabin fever. I mean, what, what can you say? <laughs> Two and a half months, almost three months, three months of just like, hey, what, what does the sound look like? You know, <laughs> what's this giant thing in the sky? I have no idea what that is. I guess that's a benefit for me going to work every day. And I just want to touch on that real quick. The reason why it's dangerous is due to a lot of things. But one of them, one of the factors is the gases that shit produces. And when it builds up, it it gets really bad because there's areas where we have to go into, have to bring a gas detector. Um, There's gases that are, you won't smell them. They'll kill you. There's plenty of stories throughout the, the country that, uh, uh, one guy goes down to a manhole, um, doesn't come up. The guy that's supposed to watch him goes down, investigates, doesn't come up. Firefighter comes, checks him out, can't go down with his uh, self-contained breathing apparatus, takes it off, goes down, doesn't come up. All three of them are dead. Uh, that we've had, we've had a few close calls. Um, there was one, and I won't go into details about it because I still work there, but there was one close call with someone who almost died. It wasn't related to gas, but it, I don't know. We deal with big industrial machines. We deal with a big yeah, ass I mean, furnace. It's, it's a scary, it, it, it's a scary job. You're in essential service. Them. You keep, you know, you're, you're in essential service. You keep people running. You keep massive machinery of the society running so people can actually stay at home, you know, you know, Nurses, medical professionals, uh, you know, they're, they're invisible. People like you are invisible when nothing is going wrong, you know? That, yeah, uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't even know this job existed until I uh, until I applied for it on a website. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looked like a good website. Oh, look, the pay is good, Clay. Yeah, indeed.com, man. Uh, free advertisement, I guess. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> Not sponsored. Not sponsored, yeah. Good call. Um so, Kung Fu Hustle. I'm just going to put that out there. It's based in okay. Shay. The movie, it, just for those that don't know, 
It's by director and writer Andy Starr in it, Stephen Chow. It's based in China, uh, Shanghai, China in the 1940s. It's a, it's a gangster type movie, kinda. We don't know what it is. It's just, it's, it's a comedy. It's, it's a comedy, but it, it's really slapstick. His style has always been very slapstick. It's interesting that you're bringing that film up because they literally, the, um, the, the town, the part of town that he built, uh, we still use it to shoot all the time. You know, we, we, we go in. Yeah, it's 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 in it's basically a back lot that they they open they use it for for tourism, uh. But we all we can also lock it down and do advertisements and uh. You know, whenever we call for old old timey Shanghai, they recreated that entire intersection that still exists, a real intersection that exists. Oh, the um, one with but, the traffic light where they're sitting. Him yep, and, with uh, a little pole in the middle. <laughs> uh, with like little watchtower in the middle, yeah. that intersection actually exists. No okay? shit, is that, that, that a function full, light? Uh, that's a function. That's a full. Well, it's a, it's a backlot, so none of it is functional until you actually wire it to be functional. But right, right. It, it's it, it's um that real intersection exists. It's obviously modernized. Everything is torn down. Uh. The buildings still stand, but like right next to it is like a, you know, seven story mall with, uh, with, with, with like two multiplexes, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I can picture it in my head. The reason I brought it up is because, and I don't want to act like I've seen a bunch of different foreign films. I got, I'm a big fan of, Kung Fu Hustle, I don't know why I saw it, but when I saw it, I'm like, I need that fucking DVD. And I bought it. I I, I kept a decent amount of my DVD collection because I like, I collect CDs. Yeah, man, I like to. I love, look, look at it. This, like, um, we are in a really strange time in the world and that has proven people like you and me right. And I'll, 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 I'll go into it. <laughs> How so? Because, because take, take we love mom, physical so, media. Take that, mom. Uh, uh, another person said, I'm right. <laughs> exactly. We're right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're right. <laughs> we're right. No, it, it's, it's... Tell me why. Something... You know, I'll, I'll tell you why. It's, it's, uh, we're, we love physical media. You love books. I love books. I love all the media. Well, physical media. The difference yes. is... It's it's a hoarding mentality, isn't it? It's like hundred um, yeah, <laughs> percent. We don't really trust Kindle. It's good on a lark, but then I'll buy the book anyways. I, I'll 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 listen to the podcast and I'll listen to the audio book, but I'll read the book at the same time. Yeah. As you know, just following it through, just for that experience. And you know, we're keeping DVDs. I have rack full of you know DVDs. <laughs> Uh, hashtag not pirated. Um, you know, <laughs> is that a thing? That, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that needs to be said. Um, yeah, that sure. what if the internet goes down tomorrow? We're we're in a lockdown, right? Essential yeah. services. And uh, I don't know how many times Facebook has gone down in the last month. You know, due to heavy traffic and all the everyone's like, oh, we can stream media, so I can take my hand. Go to my rack, pick the one disc I really want to watch, stick it into the player, and play it. You know, take that. That's a great thing. I love it. And I love Kung Fu Hustle. That's the only movie that's the, on the top of my head that's the only China Chinese-based film. And I, I just, 
I've watched it so many times. I love that DVD. I'm surprised I didn't burn through the actual disc, but it's just so funny. And it's very slapsticky, like you said. And there's this one scene, I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about, where it's it's just like, that's Looney Tunes. His whole style has been that. He's, he's done, what, like 30 films? Something like yeah. that, 30 odd films. He's done a lot. Uh, and then he's got a few films that are actually picked up by Hollywood, but they they end up in development hell. Uh, <laughs> you know, because his stuff, even, and then just quickly go into his later stuff, because he's stopped starring in his own films. Because he's, uh, toward later part of his uh, career, at the time when he's starring things, he's also directing his own films, uh, toward the later half. Uh, and then he, twer- he turned directly into directing and stops starring in his own films. And it's just, it just doesn't feel right. It's his, his brand of comedy. It's, it's only, it's like unique to him and he needed to be the star in order to kind of convey that, you know, uh, and it's, yes. it's, it's just how he is. And it's extremely messed up. I mean, some, some of the stuff he does. I mean, <laughs> he gets bitten by a snake. Great. Now his whole lips. body is allergic. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then set, and then using combination of really old school special effect and really weird practicals, outdated to our standard nowadays, but it's like he's just, he's just that, he just blabbers along before he passes out. And that entire sequence is gold, right? Absolutely. And the best thing about that movie, it'd be weird, but you don't need you don't know what, need to know what they're saying. It's so funny and visually pleasing. You don't really need subtitles, right? You, it's like uh, uh, the the landlady comes in, you know. <laughs> I love she her. Just, she, it's just a landlady. It's it's a typical landlady in Hong Kong or Shanghai or one of those places. And man, she's awesome. You just like okay, you guys are fighting outside. You're doing these high class. Kung Fu moves with like all kinds of special effects. I come in, I yell at you. You go. <laughs> Get out. She's got a voice, man. I wouldn't want to piss her off. Well, that's a voice. So, I'm curious as to Sorry, how... I mean, I mean, I'm doing tangents and stuff. No, I mean, this is good. It's filling up the minutes, man. It's not just me talking, so uh, my, that's what my <laughs> whole podcast is about. Just It's a conversation. So wherever it goes, it goes. Yeah, but from following up on your previous recording on this podcast, um, you know, and you're you're getting people for like actual writers, you know, like people are really decent experts and men, people of their field. And here you have me. Here's an episode of just two dudes just like, <laughs> dude, 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 dude. <laughs> um, I actually told one of my close friends and a few other people. Uh, that I was talking to you and they don't know you specifically, but they're like, that's pretty cool. A Shanghai based filmmaker. Cause I don't, I, I, I would think it would be cool and I'd want to hear about what they would have to say. Cause you're not from America. You're not from Canada. You're not from even the UK or Australia. It's just different. And that's my goal. I'm trying to get as many different people as I can. And, um, right. I mean, I, I got a few people that aren't horror-based in line. Um, I'm not going to say who, just in case that falls through, but I want to touch on every industry I can. Uh, 
for for the for however long I do this for, because I I'm my model is based off of Joe Rogan's ex, the Joe Rogan experience, and that's right. what that's what got but me he's into a celebrity. <laughs> but he's a celebrity, you know. Oh he yeah, gets, no, he, he gets is. All these people from wrestling, he gets it from like he he makes a phone call, yeah, you know, and go, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, um, so and so, you're worth more than forty million dollars. Come on my show, you know, yeah. <laughs> and we're no, chat. I, I totally get that he's got an in with pretty much anyone he wants, which is fine. I mean, if I had my way, I would want to talk with Kevin Smith. I, I love that guy, but uh, I, I'm just going to talk to whoever. Request for Kevin Smith. Request <laughs> for Kevin Smith. Please come on this podcast. That'd be great. He's a he's a Jersey guy, so maybe I can use that as a little uh, segue with him. But uh, in all seriousness, whoever I can get uh, that I think would be interesting, that's who I want to talk to. Um, well, um, to just quickly on a tangent again, um, I call myself because people need framework to know who I am or what I actually do. Yeah, I'd love um, to get and that. So t- tell the people. I'm who just are gonna, you? I'm just gonna be really quickly um saying two things. So one is I call myself, and that's because it's China. I call myself TBCBC. You know, you heard the word ABC, American born Chinese, CBC, Canadian born Chinese, etc. I call myself TBCBC. So I'm Taiwan born, Canadian bred Chinese, right? So that makes all, everyone I interact with in China just go, Oh, so you're one of those, <laughs> even though they don't really know what that means. Um, and for the last 16 years or so, I've been in, stuck in China, being in Shanghai specifically as an advertisement slave. You know, I've done a little bit of everything, executive producer for commercials, uh, Five years ago, switching to director, I've been agency producer, uh, you know, just hustling, you know, gen- general hustle, like, um, like, like you have to do to, to, to keep moving. Uh, so that's where I'm at. So, and in the last year and a half ago or, or, or so, I've been trying to get back into narrative because that's where my, what I went to school for. That's what I actually did for. We went, I went to an art school like very liberal arts art school and they literally say you know it's it's one of those film department that makes you trains you to be uh, auteurs you know you know like instead of telling you how to make a film we tell you why make a film you know monocle monocle you know <laughs> they got that kind of kind of kind of mentality so i'm trying to get back to narrative and um a couple of projects are in development with that and 48 hour, you know, uh, film, film, 48 hour film project in Shanghai has a little thing and I've been doing, I've been judging for them for two years straight and I go, why not? Let's go back in. Uh, tell, and tell that's us about where, that. Before we go yeah. any further, just explain to people what that is because I, I'm guessing a lot of people won't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so 48 hour film project is uh, a project that's started in uh, as an offshoot of a lot of 48 hours kind of competition uh in the last in throughout 90s uh that really culminated in a group of people who came up and say hey we're making it official and they started making this it's right now the biggest 48 hour contest in the world right competition it's not it's not free and it's for profit but they've done uh this competition where you have 48 hours they give you a bunch of thematics so, so a character a line a dialogue a uh, prop 
and you have to pick, you, you draw out of a hat for different genres that you have to uh, address. And you have 48 hours from concept to finish. So concept to delivery, final edit on a USB stick in front of the contest organizers of uh, your local city organizer. And you have that 48 hours to complete a four to seven minute film. That's and that, that's fucking nuts. It is, um, but there are some <laughs> great films that came out of it. Last last year, um, what's guy Freeman? Uh, not Morgan, but the 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 Lord <laughs> of the Ring guy. I'm sure it wouldn't be Morgan Freeman. Well, his son has been in one, apparently. Um, All right, I am I am proven wrong. He has some connection to this. Yeah, but uh, the other Freeman, the 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 Lord of the Ring Freeman. What's his You're name? You're talking about uh, uh, Peter Jackson. <laughs> no, uh, what's his name? Sorry, I, I, I've, I've uploaded my consciousness and memory up to the internet. So now, um, you know, uh, my memory as a person is completely just going, ooh. What, you know. what, uh, is he an actor? Yeah, it's the actor for, um, for, for the Hobbit series. What's his name? Uh, the, the, the other oh. half of, um, of, of, um, I'm gonna look it up. of, um, uh, what's that, uh, Sherlock. The, 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 the Watson in Sherlock. He was in one of the films. Are you talking uh, about, uh, about Iron Man? <laughs> what? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Just going into weird tangents. No, that that was a per, um the, the the Sherlock, you know, the British series. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh. uh the, the Doctor Watson in that. Um. Him. He's apparently Martin one of Fre- them. I just looked it up. I cheated. Martin Freeman. Right, he's in one of them. Hey, we're filling up the minutes. Wee. <laughs> no kidding. I'm actually a big fan of him, man. He's a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. And he does a great young Bilbo Baggins. Like the first Hobbit, I actually never saw the other two. I guess I should, but he. <laughs> Gina, are you booing me for watching it, or are you booing the film? We're not watching it. Well, uh, you know what? I how I don't can have... you not have a marathon? Of the entire Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, 24 hours, you know, marathon every other weekend. Sorry, right. I'm just, no, I'm just I mean, joshing you. I'm right there because I actually, you know, my favorite, if I had to pick one series that's my favorite book series, I, I guess I'm going to go with Lord of the Rings because it's just so fucking perfect for me. It is. There, there are well, people that don't like J.R.R. Tolkien's style of writing. Some people that don't like the films, but for me, the films are a great adaptation too. Well, they they do re- remove too much option, you know, stuff that were part of it. They removed uh, a, a major part in the first book, though. Tom Bombadil. I don't know if you read. Have you read uh, the book? Yeah. yeah, he's in the game though. He's he's. I think Bombadil is in the in the <laughs> in the you know high end video game. Were the second one of that, you know. He He's wasn't in there, you know. He wasn't a side character. He was a crucial part in the beginning exactly. of that book. <laughs> and, uh, and and a lot of those like, but they do try to put in references. I mean, Pompadio and his entire rant was like a major part of the book. It was like an entire chapter of just him walking around being being Pompadio. Yeah. So it's 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 removing that is a dismay to a lot of fans and. But I mean, as a book series, it's about near perfect, I think. Like next to the Dune, uh, the, the Dune series, which is extremely phenomenal up to like book four when it gets really confusing. 
But like <laughs> but the, the original Dunes, the, the first three Dunes are brilliant. I got you know, the first. Uh, I heard the first one's amazing. I haven't read it. I, I, I there's so many should. books. There's so many exactly. books that I want to read. Yeah, we were we were in contact online and uh, on Twitter, and you know, and we, we're just it's, we we mentioned that offhand. There's like this pile of media that are sitting there rotting, as we're just like impossible. It's like an impossible mountain that we cannot climb. You know, we yeah. tried to do it once piece at a time but it's like but it looks like a nice mountain to climb <laughs> i'm gonna try you're gonna try but you're never gonna succeed because as films there's like eight thousand films made every year you know internationally yeah, something like that and it's like it's, it's most of them will never get recognition for what how much work they put in and books as well i mean uh again Shout out to, you know, Deadhead. You guys <laughs> review a lot of very interesting kind of up-and-comers and really established or old gold work that people are just kind of forgotten. Yeah, um, so that's the fun thing about jumping into the indie horror scene is there's so many good people that write, and most of them probably won't be remembered. No, they won't. I mean, um, well, Sonato, so again, bringing back to the film that I did for 48 hours. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about circle. that. Uh, Ostinato That's a big is, circle, you know, I'm circling yeah. back to it. Ostinato is the film that, the, your first time in this contest that you used to judge. Right. And you judged your oh, film as second well. second time, the first time was like 15 <laughs> years ago, so it doesn't really count. I was only kidding about that last part, you did not judge your own film, just to be clear. Uh, no, no, who, what, no, what? You were talking and I talked and don't worry, let's let's just fast forward. I made a joke, it wasn't funny, didn't stick. So you filmed Ostinato. We'll let the audience decide that. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about the experience filming that. What was that like? Well it's tough. It was I knew how tough it it would be going in, obviously, because I had judged it two years in a row. Um but going into it, phew. It, it 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 it's an exercise. It's an exercise. It's a sprint to to the finish, the last second possible. You know, you're you're trying to get onto a car and then try to like find parking and then try to get the USB stick right in front of them. Like, and the editor is like sitting there going, "I I have another hour. No, you have to render. You have to finish. You have to output." You know, and then we're shooting and we and we're in ambitious because again, I was a judge. So I have to make sure that I'm, you know, not, not horrible at it, you know? Right. So, uh, you know, I have, I have to, you know, kind of prove myself now. And I took, I had three location change in 48 hours. I still have to leave enough time for editing and sound and mixing and music and color and, I had a great team though. I mean, that the team came together. We were, none of us has really worked together before, and they pulled it off. I mean, we had an actual 5.1 mix after that. I mean, we submitted stereo, but we still had a 5.1 mix, and that's interesting, right? Um, the actors, everything was really interesting. I liked um, it. I thought it was a good film. It's tough though because a lot of the real film festivals are not taking it. Uh, because part, part of that is because it's length. It's really short. It's only 
uh, I think the the version we have now to submitted to festival is less than six minutes, like uh, five minute and fifty odd second, including credit. So it's really short. It's really punchy. It's got like an almost relentless rhythm. And for the first half of that film, you're not supposed to know what you're watching, right? It, it's kind of experimental in that way. And yeah, um, you you fooled me on that one. <laughs> You're like, what the hell is going on? Um, and that's what we want. And then, and then suddenly, like, and then the horror element comes in, right? You, you have like a, a moment of just confusion and then a ver- moment of like extreme violence and that you just go, well, extreme is pretty violent. Uh, I, I would put, put it like PG 13, probably. Um, yeah, nowadays, <laughs> nowadays it, it will be R in like the sixties, but, yeah. um, it's PG, uh, it's PG 13 violence that you just takes a fraction of a second and just makes you even more confused because what? How? Wh- why is that violence there? And that's the horror element. And then we kind of twist it at the end to kind of go, okay, so this is the story that we're kind of telling you, but we still want you to decide what the real story is. Mm. Um, and a lot of the big festivals, the bigger festival, the more real festivals are not taking the film in. We're getting huge amount of re- rejection letters. Um, partially because one, it's a very, it's done in 48 hours. So we're never going to measure up to the people who, who spent months, maybe years on, on a 12 minute short, right? But, uh, we are also not being received. Not, we're received extremely kindly. We're, we, we got a lot of award. We got a lot of play, uh, a lot of official selections, but still the real festivals and like the, even the horror ones, some are not really taking the film in, which is, um, you know, I wouldn't say discouraging, but as, as a film that I think has some kind of, I would say, entertainment value. Uh, it's it's um, kind of lost. Yeah, uh, I think I'd be bummed because you, you did put your heart into it. It was a short, uh, small span of time that you filmed it, but still, uh, I mean, it's what isn't this your baby? It's your first directorial debut, the first script, well, the, the first public, right? The pu- first public non-advertisement, no client thing, right? I mean, right, right, totally, totally freedom, right? It's like you just sit down with the team, with the scriptwriter, sit down with the actor, and then just go, what the fuck are we doing? You know, and the team, they're like, we, we have these elements, we have a line of dialogue, and we have this horror, or sports, we actually got horror and or sports. Uh, that's, that's, that's sit down and try to figure that out. Obviously, we selected horror, and we went psycho horror, obviously, because sports films are <laughs> boring. <laughs> You know, we, you know, uh, we had, we almost wanted to do a, a zombies kicking heads like soccer. Uh, that would have been funny. <laughs> not enough time to do it in 48 hours. We have to find a soccer field. We have to make everyone up as zombies, you know. It's a lot and of then, makeup, uh, too. Oh, yeah. And you've seen how ambitious our, our film is. We had quite a bit of makeup. I like the practical effects you guys had. Uh, I know there weren't a whole lot, but the ones that you did, I enjoyed them. thought they were good. Yeah, they, they not, were very I'm, I'm not saying they were good for what they were. I'm saying they were good practical effects, no matter what the length of the film or quality of the film was. Right, but it's it's definitely not like um, full-on body horror type or uh, one of those like deep-thinking zombie films, you know, which happens. <laughs> 
No, there there are. There, there's some brilliant films out there that are like wow. They're um, again, it's a 48 hour film, I believe, and it's like the year before one of the cities, and maybe Detroit. I'm not too sure. Um, that had a woman who's zombified. It's a zombie apocalypse. Um, and gave them birth to a kid. And now the dad, who's the protagonist of the story, has to take care of a newborn kid that he, that may or may not be zombified with a wife that's chained on the wall that is a zombie. So Sounds that's a deep, <laughs> that's a deep thinking zombie film and a lot to pack in under, under, under seven minutes. Sounds like a super strange, I'd watch it. Sounds fucking I weird though. Yeah, I watched it. It's, it's brilliant. There's some brilliant films in the horror genre that are just kind of off foot. Like people are like not looking at horror as a, as a real genre, you know? I think that's always been the case. Um, you know, it looks like a really exciting, did you watch Train to Busan? Oh uh, yeah. Oh, I, they're making a new one. They're making yeah, a new that, one. Right? That's where I'm going one. with this. <laughs> Peninsula looks awesome. Well, it's it's gotta be good. I mean, if if, if anything, Busan, trying to Busan is like it. Just if it just take it and amp it up like one degree, turn it up to eleven. I'm sure it's going. Well, it's already eleven, so turn it up to twelve. Okay, that's because twelve is definitely louder. Did you watch um, the um uh, the prequel to Train to Busan? Uh, no, I, I don't. I haven't. I haven't seen it. I, I watched it. it. I watched it on YouTube. Uh, probably shouldn't say that too loudly, but uh, it was free. It's called Sail Station, and I might be pronouncing that city name wrong too. Um, uh, it, oh, I'll look into that. So it doesn't have a direct connection with any of the characters from Train to Busan, but um, it's just an animated feature where it's the beginning of the outbreak, and I I liked it. it the effects were really cool. Um, it's by the same director. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Sang Ho. Time to cheat. <laughs> Time to cheat. Where is that IMDb? Not yeah. answered. No, I am cheating right now because I would not remember certain facts. Uh, like Sang Ho Yen. Yeon. Well, I think as we, as, as, as the point I made earlier, where I think we're all, uh, we've all uploaded our memory onto the internet now. Like we, <laughs> because, it's uh, we have these phones, we have these computers, we have these devices that are always connected, and you just go, I don't remember. I I know it's the film with that guy that has all these strange things with animals, and he uh, he skins them and oh yeah, texted me, and uh, uh and 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 at the end he made himself into a really perverted version of a statue of David by killing himself. What's that film? And then you spend like 30 minutes trying to find Textermia. You know? I, I haven't seen that, but that one sounds fucked up. Um, well, it's, it's horribly fucked up, but it's a uh, body horror to that level of like just societal weird. It's a, it's a social critic, as all good films are. You know, um, it, it's a it, Textermia, you should, you should take a definitely take a look. It's body horror, it's psychological horror, and it's social commentary. And it's very, very interesting. Sounds it. Have you, um, are you into Bong Joon Ho, the guy that did Parasite? Oh, yeah. He, he's, well, complicated with that guy. He's very, in, in, as far as Koreans are concerned, he's big name over there. 
right? He is one of those definite up and comers, or he's definitely established in that realm as a very good director. And, um, he's, but outside of Korea, he's really not that known, right? Uh, but he did Snowpiercers. Yeah. Yeah. That was his first Hollywood one. Uh, so my theater, my local theater had Parasite. Um, playing for only like a week, and I saw it on one of the last days. And uh, Ooh, it's a film. It's a film. I thought it was gonna be a horror film. I'm not disappointed at all. Like that was a. It's horrifying. Film. It's horrifying in the mental sense of the word. You know, it's not horrifying in the sense of like, oh, horror. Like, oh, here's some bodies. Here's some blood. Well, there's some blood in there, but yeah, and then a lot of killing. Uh, spoiler alert. Um. <laughs> But, yes, you know, it, it's amazing. definitely a film. It's definitely a film. It's definitely film with a capital F. Just like, you know, Logan is not a superhero film. It's a film with a capital F. <laughs> so would you be able to talk or are you willing to talk about any of the features that you mentioned earlier on? Uh, features. Please features that Features that you have planned for yourself. That you're working on your own projects. Well, uh, sure. I mean, uh, I have multiple things in the run, uh, all hopefully panning out or not or whatever. It's just you know, just got, got you got to keep yourself going when you're not kowtowing to the clients as advertisement slaves are. You know, you got to keep keep yourself working. And I've had uh, no uh, working as in it's no income. None of it will probably ever pan out. Uh, but I did, uh, I'm in the process of doing an adaptation or loose adaptation, hopefully faithful to, uh, Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, the original Frankenstein. Do tell, sir. It's complicated. Frankenstein is a, a story that is extremely complicated. And that is why it's both kind of the, the, I'll say father, but it's not, it's the mother really. Uh, of um of modern sci-fi as well as to, to some extent modern horror yeah uh, set, set in social context and it's written by a what 13 14 year old kid uh you know, Mary Shelley uh yeah, Mary Shelley was, man yeah oh, uh, 16. I, I, yeah 16. I was gonna say she's a teenager I forget the exact age but, and then her story is brilliant like if you actually look into it if you look up both to the two most iconic horror monster style characters, and I'm talking about Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster, as as well as Dracula, were actually conceived in the same night. How fucked up is that? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. No, wait, for okay. Dracula, Dracula was written like a hundred years later. By Brian Stoker, but I'll, I'll I've sell, I'm specifically talking about conception. So, um, Mary Shelley is daughter to an early feminist and a early free love. All right, a free lover. So that's already super messed up. They're in the romantic era. There's, uh, and his father, her father is one of the biggest, uh, well known romantic poet. All right. And, uh, Percy Shelley is a writer, uh, another poet who's, who's, uh, enamored or student of his wife, uh, uh, her father. 
And that specific reason, and so she ended up eloping with the guy, like to Percy Shelley. So they, they eloped and she had a miscarriage because she's freaking 16. I mean, you're not, your body's really not ready. So she had a misconception and she, since he's somewhat well connected, they went to a cottage in Italy, I believe, uh, belonging to a wealthy, uh, British or Frenchman, I can't remember, that had uh, also fallen out from high society because of sandals. In the winter of, uh, uh, in the summer of the year without sun. So there's a massive volcano eruption in Europe, right? And that entire day, that the entire summer because, uh, the entire year, sorry, there were no sun in Europe because of that massive, um, um volcano, uh, mega volcano eruption. And so it was cold. It was damp and it was lightning and rain. You know, think of that environment. So, Thunder sounds, outside, people gathering the fire. It's brilliant though, because that created this. So the guys, so they're stuck in this villa, right? So massive villa. Think about that, south of Italy, and uh, sorry, middle of Italy, and then they have lightning and thunder outside. It's cold. They're gathered around the fire, right? And then that nobleman, as I believe is a count. I'm not too sure. Uh, Count or Viscount, and he's basically said, let's make up a story that will scare people. Right? Oh, it was a contest, wasn't it? It was a contest. A loose contest. And then two people stuck on that. There's the, I cannot remember the guy's name, the, uh, the, uh, the physician of the, of the, of the nobleman, who is, who wrote a very early version of Dracula, but it's not Dracula full form, right? It's Dracula in the sense of like, okay, there's a, this vampire. He's out to hunt people and he, he has, he's unbelievably charming, right? The way, the way big framework, right? And that was taken eventually down, not hundred years, but like 50, 60 years down the line by Brain Stoker and inspired the actual creation of Bren Stoker's Dracula fully formed. Mm. Um, and then Mary Shelley, went back and spent months writing the framework for 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 Frankenstein. Percy Shelley edited it and in under pseudonym because they don't want they don't want people to know she's a woman and a young woman at that. Right, back uh, then, no way. No way. And then uh published it. And at the beginning there was no no major acclaim until much later even after Percy died of a boating accident with the nobleman, complicated thing. There's a whole write-up on it. I have mountains of research over here that half of it I can't remember. Again, uploading the memory and social consciousness into the internet on, on the computer. So that is messed up. So what's really interesting is so the environment of that kind of claustrophobic gathering of that lightning and thunder of that the catalyst created two of the most memorable monsters of our generation, right? Yeah. Well, not just ours. Well, yes. Well, for us, it's more we can look back on it. Maybe in the future, because of all the film, maybe film is going to replace that. You know, the film adaptation version of that, those hopefully faithful. But if you look into the structure of 
Frankenstein, it's extremely complicated. It's a story nested inside a story nested inside a story, and they unlock, and they're interconnected. So that's why there are, after massive research, I've never found a film that is actually spiritually correct on Frankenstein. But anyway, that's a tangent. That's, that's, that's one thing I'm working on. Can we just put a pin mark on Frankenstein? Because I got I gotta know if you watch this one film adaptation of it. The Frankenstein where Robert De Niro is Franken- the Frankenstein monster. Yeah, and uh, what's her name? Uh, ha- uh, Helena Bonham Carter was the beauty. She's the beautiful woman in that in that show in, in, in that a, movie. What a weird, what a strange adaptation. It's actually much more faithful to the book. Uh, story-wise, uh, but it's just tonally, it's just like wrong because Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster is basically born out of something. It's just it's been created. It doesn't know the world, but it's abandoned immediately. And then with a father who's really just not wanting to own up to having that son, you know, that's what the actual core story almost like. Again, the woman just had, Mary Shelley just had a miscarriage, right? So it, it all ties in together and. Wow. So yeah, that adaptation is extremely faithful to the book story, but spiritually and content level, it's it's wrong to my to to my belief, you know. So without breaking it down to precise detail, if you can outline how does yours how does your version in your mind? I'm not uh, I'm not going into it. I'm not I'm I'm just not going into it right now. <laughs> okay. It's it's uh it's I'm I've done the structural analysis i've done the first scene and the last scene in script uh looking for funding hello um <laughs> to uh try to make it into some sort of spot Sponsor so pie. that's a thing Sponsor another pie. thing i'm working on actually um that i've shot something for uh is a a, a thing let's just call it thing it used to be something that we wanted to make it into a television but uh no funding. Um, we had uh, we we had this thing about these world where, for some reason, to a due to a disaster of unknown origin, <laughs> coronavirus. No, um, we had um, the the youth of the the teenagers of that generation are the only one who can go outside, right? And the collapse society has collapsed. So basically, like ninety percent of the population of the world has more or less died. So you have left with these pockets of adults stuck in massive buildings and who are still somewhat connected and has utility in science. And these teenagers were out gathering stuff, um, kind of semi dystopian society. We're trying to work into a television show and we're trying to retool that to make it into a future proposal. And we've gone, we've gone that. And right now with a virus out, out there, it's, it's kind of, we're trying to pick that back up a bit. Uh, since that's an organism that kind of like alien, we kind of take you over and then before you die, you become very zombified. Here's the horror element. Uh, and that's pretty much where I'm going to stop on that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's safe to say there's a lot more horror fans out there than people recognize themselves as horror fans because, uh, you kind of said it. It's you, you described horror as just blood and you know. Duh. It's not, is it? No, it's horror. Is, horror is a lot of things, and to me, horror is not a genre. 
like I'll I'll say that, and probably a lot of your audience member who came in for horror talk will probably not be happy about me saying that. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, what? Don't who dox said? me. You know what? <laughs> but um, but what I'm specifically saying is, listen to me out, okay? Horror is not a genre. Horror is an overarching element. All right, it, and it's not being recognized enough as is. What it, what I mean is, horror is an exploration of the darker side or the side of the uh, our psyche that we really refuse to acknowledge. You know, uh, we're talking about uh, you know death. We're talking about body horror, hurting yourself or being hurt. Uh, we're talking about supernatural elements that we cannot understand. We're talking about diseases. You know, pandemic of like zombie proportions uh that are just out there there are things that are things that we cannot normally understand in our real daily life and horror brings that out and that as a structure and framework of the genre i think that's extremely underrecognized um another thing is that if you look at the elements of horror right you look at um <coughs> star wars um you know the last one, which a lot of people like or hate, it's bipolar, but uh, uh, what's it called? The Rise of Skywalker. So people can hate me for it, which I actually thought wasn't that bad of a film. I liked but, it. I they, It made sense to me. It made sense, but it's very wrapped together. It's like, oh, here, we, we made a bunch of mistakes and you know, we tried to rip on everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that film has a lot of very horrifying shots. Oh, that last fight scene was fucking creepy. Well, yeah. I mean, those are things that would not happen 30 years ago in any mainstream films. These are films that are 30 years ago would be considered horror or even hard horror, like specific elements. That's how pervasive the horror environment sphere has become for us. And I find it a bit confusing why people still treat a lot of the, the non like people treat it as we have the sci-fi fan, we have the horror fan, we have the mentioning popcorn jerky jo- uh, jockeys, and you have the uh, you have the blockbusters. It's not like that. It shouldn't be like that. You know, you the, the gangsters. You know, it the gangsters kind of became mainstream. The horror environment hasn't really become. You have these amazing films that come out once every while. You know, you have the Saw. You know, you have these small bits of sparkle. Uh, the ritual. You the ritual. You have Cabin in the Woods. Bird which, box. Uh, it has hit, hit it big. But on a, on an average level, it's like not even a tenth. I would venture to say much even less, uh, recognized than even sci-fi, right? Which, cause MCU is actually sci-fi. Uh, yeah, I, I would think that's a good, you can make a good argument for that, especially Iron Man. Right. Uh, Doctor Iron Strange. Man. Doctor Strange, yeah, I mean, they're, they're looking at things scientifically. They're looking at it, okay, science, a uh, magic is just science you don't understand yet. Yep. Yeah, so and as then, far as, of course, uh, superheroes, of course, superheroes and fights and, and, you know, looking snazzy and then uh, upholding your values and we're doing the right things and here's the villain, you know, that sort of thing. That's part of, no superhero dumb. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, 
Hit the nail on the head with that. Uh, as far as p- the way people view horror, my first experience with, and the only time I've tried, I've, I've not tried, the only time I have self-published a book, I took it off the market uh, a few years ago. I don't like it. I don't want anyone to read it. But um, I was freelancing. I was looking for freelance editors. Uh, the way I would find my editor, I thought, okay, I'm going to ask them a few questions. If they sound like we would do well together, I'm going to give them two pages just to edit as a sample so I can see how they work. So I remember this one specific guy, this one editor, where my first question was, do you like horror? His his response was a question. It was, why do you like to see people get hurt? And wow. I, I was just kind of taken aback. I felt like, hmm, should I be offended right now? Tell him off or just ignore him? Um, so I looked into him a little bit and he was very odd. Uh, I read one comment from someone that said he, he was a good editor. He, uh, helped me edit one of my school papers on whales. Kind of went Wait. on it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm no, 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 like not nothing against the guy, but come on, he's a freelance like, editor, so he's doing whatever he can for money. But well, he, but it's not that, right? Isn't it? It's like you're looking for an editor who can actually understand what you're going for, so that he can tell you whether you're going at the right direction of the things that you you've intended to do. Oh much. yeah, yeah. So that's my whole point. Was I was going for um, someone to help me. Better my story. I got, uh, I obviously didn't go with him, but he, uh, I don't know if he's trying to guilt trip me, um, just trying to hold him a higher moral ground. But I think that people that really don't get horror view horror as something that is, uh, uh, horrifying. Uh, yeah, is, is morally unacceptable when guess what? Every, I'm going to say it, everything's got horror in it, including the Bible, including, any good story. Well, the Bible is horrifying. Have you read <laughs> Revelation? He got a yeah. god that's he got a god that's killing his own people, like the Egyptians, like in that religion. Because when Wait, you say you're god, about the Old Testament, like the New Testament's not that much better. So jump around, man. So when I say God in this specific case, I'm talking about Catholicism because it's yeah, we, we believe in the we believe in the word of Catholic. Yeah, because there's literally thousands of gods. So, like, just to be very clear, that book is full of horror. So it's interesting to me, and I'm not going to go on this tangent, but it's interesting to me that (laughs) certain types, for that example, will give someone a hard time about a horror book or Harry Potter because it's quote-unquote, like, sacrilegious or whatever, but they kind of read a horror book. That's how I view it. I, I try not to... Get all upside about it. That but it is a very interesting perspective, though, if you look at it. I mean, people are getting hurt in horror films or for horror fiction or, well, yeah, every horror. I mean, I'm looking at Anne Rice, which I've read extensively when I was a teen, you know, and that's vampire horror. It's, yeah. it's definitely horrifying, you know, and uh, people are getting hurt, but almost as a coping mechanism. I think horror exists as a coping mechanism an educational um, kind of just to fill in our the, the fight and flight impulses in our heads because we 
don't have that in modern society. We 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 really don't. We're, we're extremely we're we're extremely safe in the in the context of uh, of the world, right? Right now, kind of not not right now, but like in not general. right now, but because we're in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, you wish. It's not that yeah, cool, man. Yeah, you know. well, at least with with a zombie apocalypse, there's actually a an enemy. Yeah, you know, that you can uh, that right you now. Can there's see. no enemy. Yeah, there's no enemy. You cannot see it. Well, you're zombies, you can't see the actual cause, right? It's it's always been some sort of virus or some sort of thing, right? Uh, okay, you can see the puppet then. How about that? <laughs> yes, sure. <laughs> I'll take that. But no, I mean, yeah, we're extremely safe. Where our 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 flight and our, our fight and flight instinct is not engaged, and that's what horror fills in that. To remind us that we're actually still human, right? We still have all these things that we are scared at. Uh, that and it's like roller coasters. What is what is the best thing to do for humans? Is to face death, face danger. Well, also knowing that it's not real danger, and then come out completely unscathed, right? That's like the most exhilarating feeling a person can ever feel. I think. You know, yeah. just face absolute danger. So roller coasters works exactly the same way as horror. So if he's gonna question horror, he's gotta question roller coasters. Yeah, I mean the guy was fuck him. You know, I don't know his name. <laughs> <don't care. laughs> That's how. <laughs> like I don't, I don't care how that sounds. That's how I view it. Like if you're gonna try giving me our time, take a fucking walk, buddy. Just, just I'm, I'm not, I'm not playing that game. Um, well, at least it's not someone who's going. What is a horror? <laughs> it's everywhere. But uh just to prove one more point, like Beowulf, that's what the oldest um, yes. the oldest story and epic poem, the, the oldest, oldest uh, English epic. The oldest English epic. That's a fucking horror. That is what? That's about a monster that eats people. That's about a that's guy like that's about Go a guy. You go to Greek, uh, Greek, uh, Greek literature, like ancient Greece. That's all kinds of mangling. It's all kinds of arms being torn off and faces being melted. Yeah, I mean, they, I love Greek history. Uh, they, they got a lot of interesting gods. Uh, Roman history is pretty cool too. I like the I, Roman I Empire history. I subscribe to Bacchus. What's you know, that? I have a son. I have a son. I subscribe to Bacchus. Uh, Bacchus. What is that? I, I'm still. Oh, I'm the god of wine. <laughs> yeah, I have I like a son. Yeah, I, I I enjoy wine too, man. I I didn't for a while, and I don't drink a whole lot anymore. But my wife and I, for like Valentine's Day, we had a bottle of red wine. That was fun. But um, I, I like a good wine. You need to get you need to get your you know daddy's little helper once in a while, <laughs> even though. Even though I'm relatively dry for the last two and a half years, uh, the, this this whole situation with the self-containment, man, it was especially with a six-year-old uh, who's not like you're talking about, like the six-year-old all the way to like early teen when they stopped caring about you and they just kind of go into their own room. That kind of in-between per- period, well, man, I think seriously makes me want to drink again. <laughs> So it's almost 11 a.m. there. I'm surprised I don't hear him. Oh yeah, no, I'm in the office, right? I I have the 
have the door locked and he, you know, you don't hear it, but you know, right on the periphery of the mic, I can actually hear him shouting about Animal Crossing again, not sponsored. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's a thing, man. I mean, creating your own island, why not? You know, you, you can't go out. Just to put this out there, if they do want me to sponsor them, no fucking clue why they would. But if they did, oh yeah, I will sign up for that. Like you, you want some Nintendo money. You want some oh. of that Nintendo money. All right, let's put this out there. The first game I played ever, the first video game I have ever played, I was three. My parents got wow. me a, a NES. It was Super Mario Brothers. I've been hooked ever since, man. I love Nintendo. Yeah, who doesn't know, right? They're family. They're pretty family. But the first real game that I played outside of like all that is actually doom <laughs> so oops. ooh, you're talking about the original doom that came out what like 94 or something or 93 93 ah oh, man that was a year off okay yeah that that's a classic right there oh yeah that's that's that i think that kind of put me on the trajectory of like everything can be hurt everything must bleed yeah, that's a great game to just like have fun shut your brain off and say let's kill some shit doesn't matter. And demons at that. You know, we're not, I'm not hurting real people. I'm hurting demons. Which is why the new game, Doom Eternal, can get away with all the crazy shit. And it, it just doesn't. It's a brilliant game, though. I just finished it a couple of days ago. Man, it's hard. I uh, See, I don't have a new, I don't have a update, like a current console for that reason, because I wouldn't get anything done. I, I'd be too hooked. How is it? How is Doom Eternal? Well, again, not sponsored, uh, but it's... But if they want to. <laughs> of course, yes, please sponsor this. Just anyone out there with a video game that is, um, you know, AAA title, all kinds of big, come, sponsor. Um, we, we will put in an episode every six months, you know. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's brilliant, right? It's, it's, it, you're right. It's about, it's that catharsis of like just getting out there, shut your brains off, just, exercise just the high-night coordination and just go and it's and then just like it's satisfying it's weird satisfaction of just like putting a knife through the demon's head and then rip his (laughs) eye out it's satisfying i mean say what you want about me i love it i got hey look one of my favorite games is grand theft auto i don't care i like grand theft auto 3 vice city was a classic i liked a bunch of them but I like just uh, going in a car, running someone over, and uh, doing it all over again. <laughs> and over, and over, and over, and over. Going to no. the military base. You can't do that in real life. Yeah, I mean, you might get arrested if you get caught. So, Or you can storm Area 51, you know. That's... <laughs> I forgot all about that. Did that ever happen? Yeah, it did, Okay, apparently. Like, one person got in and got super arrested. But I, it feels like a lifetime ago, though. Doesn't it? It's like less than six months ago, I think. I forgot all about that, honestly, until you mentioned it. Uh, and I have a feeling that even if the virus never happened, I would have forgotten about it. Right? You just were—you were not on track on the alien conspiracies. No, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> I'm not a non-believer. Uh, I just—I uh, don't give a shit what a bunch of crazy bastards have to do. Like, it's a. Uh, it's like making fun of flat earthers. Like, yeah, it's fun and all, but you're just gonna make yourself crazy. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the only way to change people is normalize them, right? That's the whole thing with like, okay, I'm going to into a little weird tangent. People are taking their social justice a little bit too much and using too much attack theory, especially online. They're using attack strategies. Mob mentality, man. Yeah, but, but it's the only way to make people change. Their way of thinking is to treat them like people and to tell them, look, this is what I believe. You don't have to believe it. Uh, you don't, you know, and, but that, that's, that's choose to be able to share those information. Uh, instead of going out and go, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong and you're evil for that. I mean, of course, a lot of things in societies are actually more or less evil, but saying that to someone who has a deep set belief, of a certain thing is extremely unhelpful, right? Uh, okay, let's cut that off there because we're going on a weird place on that. <laughs> no, um, uh, it's a it's a touchy subject because uh, I'm sure once you bring up that, people are gonna have something in their mind where it's not the same as someone else that has some other touchy subject in their mind. Uh, I don't know, man. It's people. People are weird. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, um, how, how, how are we doing on time? Looks like we're doing pretty good. Uh, you're, you're filling up those minutes. <laughs> those minutes. Yeah. It's the uh, new slogan of my show. Just fill up the minutes. Doesn't matter what we say. Hopefully you listen. That's right. Just, just blah, 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 blah. Charlie Browning it. Waka, waka, waka. Yeah, actually, I was going to say, um, is there anything else that you would like to tell anyone? Uh, where can people follow you? Because uh, we're at about a minute, uh, hour and a half, and that's usually where I like to end things. Right, well, we can obviously go on forever. I mean, <laughs> we're just we're just literally just rambling, right? Um, but yeah, now find me on Twitter. Uh, find it on CyberNut, C-Y-B-O-R-N-U-T. That's pretty much my main mode of outside communication outside of China. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, we are looking at possibly putting on a limited time for Sonato to be on YouTube for very brief moments of like a couple of months. So, uh, well, maybe a month just to, because a lot of film festivals are canceling, uh, obviously yeah. due to this whole, whole thing. Uh, there's no congregations. There's no, no meeting. So we are going to look into maybe releasing that for a month uh, on YouTube. Uh, and I will release information on that on Twitter at some point. Uh, again, not going to look at massive views because I'm just a dude. I ain't no celebrity. I I do my daily grind. I I have this cool job that I thought we did a pretty decent work on uh, that, you know, I'd like to get some views on it. You know, and that's about it. Um, as far as right now, the world situation, and again, you're aiming to look, get this thing out, I don't know, June, possibly? Yeah, no, it'll be, it'll, it'll be out in June. Hopefully the, by that the time, the world has stopped flinging shit at each other. World leaders are not, and actually buttoned down and did all their jobs. And, you know, uh, and this thing would have been over, you know? Yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> Well, it's not likely, I, but hopefully it will. I mean, not I'm not talking about specific leader. I'm talking about the world right now. People are scared. People are confused. Uh, and I really think it's the job of 
independent media like us, you know, and then as well as the government leader to go out there and go, hey, you know, this thing is shit. This thing is fucking scary. There's going to be a lot of death. Um, I've had death in the family due to this. And we are going to get together and solve this issue as humans, as humanity, instead of like a country or this and that. I mean, again, this is probably going to get me yelled at from, from, from the podcast audience, but there's no blaming now. It's natural. It's what it is. It's, it's like two people walking in the mountainside and then both got hit by the same boulder. And the first, and then, and then not, there's no yelling at each other going, who got hurt more. Yeah. Yeah. I think the main thing we should take away from this is, and by the way, I'm sorry to hear that. I should say about your family because that's awful. My uncle had it, still has it. Uh, I believe my aunt does too. Um, they begin better each day, but yeah, I'm real sorry to hear about that. That's, that's horrible. Uh, I think the thing we should all take away from this and we're all people. So we're going to forget about this just like for an America in 9-11, that American pride only lasts for a few months that I witnessed. Um, hopefully a lot of us can take away. Just remember we are not indestructible that we should be kinder to people. Not everyone. I'm going to make that clear. Everyone is not nice. Some people are assholes. <laughs> so just try not giving a shit with the assholes. Thing. Well, it's a different attitude, right? I had like, it's a situation. Not only this, it's I think this made everyone, everyone should be extremely abundantly clear that we need to be more selfish and, and in order to, to, to make everyone else better. What does that mean? I have to protect myself. I have to protect my family. If yeah. I protect myself and my family by staying in, doing the social distancing, by making, by knowing that I'm not invincible, by washing my hand, not touching my face, uh, right now the United States are recommending masks. That is going to help a little bit, you know, uh, by trans, like the transmission rate, et cetera. That is what we need to do. Like we need to, and that's how I deal with the assholes. That's how the, uh, you know, like you have to protect yourself. If you're an asshole, protect yourself from other people. <laughs> yeah. You know, that way. You, you don't get sick because other people will be doing the same to you. So we, if you're sick, stay at home, call your, you know, your, your medical, uh, professional. There's, there are hotlines set up everywhere. Get in, get to it, and then be safe, right? If you are safe and you're cutting yourself from people who might get it, who were not safe, and they are also doing the same thing, we're all safe. Yeah, it definitely helps to, uh, kind of listen. Um, I had a great time talking to you. I learned a lot, and more people should watch Kung Fu Hustle. Oh, and Ostinato. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's a good film. It's, it's, it's short, but it's not bad. It's, it's, please, please watch it. Sponsored by Deadhead. Uh, Dead Headspace. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, the, the dead came a-calling. That was scary. Yeah, uh, most people won't understand that. Uh, what it says on my... Skype name is the title of the show, Dead Headspace. But what you see when I'm calling someone is just dead. Dead is calling you. So I didn't really mean to do that. I don't really feel like changing it because that's funny. But, uh, <laughs> Luke, it was a great time talking to you. Um, feel back. Feel. I can't talk. Yeah, it's getting past my bedtime. Feel. That bit will be edited. That <laughs> bit will be edited out by the person who edits it. Yeah, it's me. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, feel free to uh, come back whenever you have a, your first feature. 
Um, ready to go. Oh, that's probably at the way, the rate it's going. That is, if I, if I ever make it before the end of days, it hopefully will be nice. Yes. Positive thinking, my friend. I hope you have a I good gotta day. I gotta be pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> Cause right stay, now, it's, stay, never, stay negative, everyone. Just stay negative. Yeah, stay negative. So it's day time for you. Almost 11 p.m. for me. I gotta go to bed. I gotta work in the morning. But it was great talking, man. And, uh. Oh yeah, again, thanks a lot for, uh, people. Again, bring it, just putting it out there. People who are in essential services, if nothing goes wrong, are invisible to the world. But in shit like this, please remember to thank them. That's, you know, that's, that's very important. I mean, they're out there fighting. Just, just ask the rest of us. Yeah. I appreciate it. Definitely, man. Uh, have, have a good night or day and <laughs> be safe. Or afternoon. Safe, I mean, you too. Have a good night. All right. Bye bye, everybody. We are in your mind. We are all around. You are now leaving.